Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your world. Thank you because the Holy Ghost lives big on my inside and gives me utterance. I pray, Father God, that today lives will be supernaturally touched and blessed. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's have our seat. Let's get into the word. Uh, grateful for the birthday gift, but it's very short. Uh, to ask me to teach for 30 minutes is to say, yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's, let's look at the lifestyle of a worshiper. And, and Sister Mary started talking about this last Wednesday. And we built on this from Sunday where we talked about the whole concept of worship. And it's important that, um, that when we, and, and you need to follow me, you need to follow me now. When we, when, when we use words, in the Christian faith is important that we understand what those words mean. Praise God. And that we, we, we do not give meaning to the words. We rather try to understand exactly what those words mean. For instance, if I say, uh, the Lord is good. Okay? If I say, the Lord is good. What's the response? What's your response? All the time. But you know, the the Lord is good all the time is not a bad response, but that's not exactly what is in the Bible. Come on, are you here? What's in the Bible? The Lord is good and what? And His mercies endures forever. So, how many of you see that we have given the Lord is good a meaning? We we have rewritten the meaning. Am I saying God is bad sometimes? No. It's correct, but we are the ones giving it that meaning. Are you, are you following this now? So if we want to look at the, a concept like the Lord is good, then we have to look at the Bible. Now, let's look at the concept of the word beauty. When, when the scripture talks about the beauty of his holiness. You know, how many of us, when we talk about the word beauty, holiness does not come to our mind? Come on now. Are you here? Did you come with your birthday, amen? Then say something. Alright? Don't like you're on your funeral. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Come on, say something. But how many of you know when we talk about beauty, we don't talk about beauty in the concept of holiness. We don't see holiness as a beautiful thing. So how many of you see that we have defined beauty with our own terms? Another thing. When we say offering time, what, what do we say? Blessing time. <laughs> okay, let me leave that one. So that my money will not be short tonight. Okay, you can do that. But how many of you know that we can give meaning to something or we can go into the scriptures and find the meaning that God has in mind? So when you talk about worship, like Sister Mary was saying, what comes to your mind? Slow songs. Not even songs. When you come, you know, have you heard people say, let's be in the mood of worship? Now the question is, what's the worship mood? What's the worship mood? Hands lifted high, head to the right angle, dropped down, 
then if you are a very good worshiper, tears coming down from the sheep. Come on. Have you heard that? Have you heard people say that? Let's be in the mood of worship. Now the question is, is worship a mood? Hey, come on, what about if you say, well, let's be in the mood of worship. I, like, I don't feel like being in the mood of worship. So worship is not a mood. Then you know some people say, well, I mean, you're singing like fast songs. I'm not, I'm wearing a wow t-shirt. Uh, um, this is what choir people wore. So they sang their message. I talk my message. Okay. Now, you know, when you're singing all those fast songs and they're like, yeah, it's time for worship. It's time for worship. Then they reduce the beat. So for some people, what's worship? Slow song. Or you now say, sing that song in a worship style. Right. Come on, how many of you know what I'm saying? Now, none of those is bad. But worship is deeper than that. Because when the Bible says in John chapter 4 verse 23 that the Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth, He wasn't just seeking those who will sing fast and slow songs. If not, we will not make it. People like me and my son. We sing unto the Lord. We don't sing to men. You know, if you, the good thing about God is that He takes all kinds of voices, He takes all kinds of keys, and He's excited. So for some of us, we sing as we make actually a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's our song. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm singing, and then Zara is putting her head in her ears, because Dami has taught her what keys are. And you know, when she puts her head, in her mind, if she puts her hand in her ears, it is to say, Daddy, stop. In my mind, it makes me feel like my worship is touching lives. So I increase the volume like Zara is impacted. Can you see she's in the mood of worship? That's a worship mood. What am I saying? If it's just about the songs, some of us will never be worshippers. But it is not about the song. Worship is a lifestyle. And that's who the Father is seeking. And this thing comes to my mind so strong as I maybe began to talk about this is if God is seeking for worshippers, it means there is something priceless. God does. Have you realized that God doesn't seek for many things? Have you thought about that? That God is not looking for many things? But if the Father says, I'm looking for those who will worship me in spirit and in truth, it means there is something priceless about the whole concept called worship. Praise God. You know, and some people will go with, well, you know what? Lucifer was an angel in heaven and he was singing and they wanted to take God's throne and God now, you know. Stop saying that nonsense. They planned a coup in heaven. So it's like, ah, va, va, va. the throne, the throne, hold the throne, God. Angel Michael, we're going to deal with it, hold the throne. God. How do you think? <laughs> go and study that scripture again go and study the meaning of the word Lucifer and study who God was referring to in Ezekiel and, Ez- and, and Isaiah speaking about the king of Ty and so that whole concept make us actually feel that yes 
So because Lucifer was worshipping before and they threw him down, God is now looking for people who are just going to sing. And you know, some people say, well, let's come to church. Let's sing for three hours because we're, we're actually going to practice what we're going to be doing in heaven. It's rehearsals. And then you hear some very bold but ignorant worship leaders will come and say, it's not about the message. In heaven, there will be no preachers. We will just be singing holy, 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 holy. Say, let's do it. Let's practice it. <laughs> if worship is just about words, people who can speak more words will be more worshipers than you. There's something deeper about worship. And I'm, I'm hoping tonight not I'm hoping, I repent of that. I believe tonight that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you will see deeper into the concept of who a worshiper is. It will change everything about your life. Glory to God. So the Father is seeking worshipers. Who will worship Him? You know, somebody say, oh, so pastor, what are you saying? Uh, Was Lucifer not in heaven? The scripture says he was a liar from the beginning. That's what Jesus called him. Jesus never called him an angel. He didn't say he was an angel of the faith. He said, no, he is a liar from the beginning. Yeah, good. This is my birthday gift to you. Genesis 22. <laughs> I like these things. Let's go to Genesis 22. Let's see something about worship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you excited tonight? Do you like the word of God? Awesome. I love God's word. I, I saw a scripture I have never seen in all my years of ministry. Never seen it. I was reading a book and I saw it. Oh man. I was so excited in the office, jumping around like, whoa, is this in the Bible? I read the Bible a lot of times. It's amazing how we read the Bible and it's like we've never read the Bible. God is just awesome. Genesis 22. We're going to stop at verse 11. Let's read quickly. Come on. Verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I, I am. You know what, what, what gets me in the, when I read the Old Testament? You know, sometimes we read the Old Testament and people throw the Old Testament away. No, leave the Old Testament. We're now in the New Testament. But you know what excites me about the Old Testament? Is how these people worked with God. So, so conversational. So pure. So, it was like, I mean, look at it. God said to Abraham, here I, I am. He said, take now your son. Your only son, whom you love, underline that word, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a bond offering on one of the mountains of which I'll tell you. Can you see this instruction from God? Like, Claude, how many kids do you have? No, don't worry, I'm not a prophet. I don't know. Just tell me. <laughs> you have five children. Okay. Your eldest is, what's the eldest name? Confidence, okay, yeah. So, uh, ah, but that came up in my spirit. I should have just said that. Like, you have five children. The first one is confidence. Like, go deeper, Papa. Go deeper. Okay, all right. So, it's like God telling you, right? Kalada. And you say, here yeah, my God. And you think God is going to say, well, I'm going to use you in all the nations. I'm going to take you around the world. I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to make you fat. And then God says, take confidence. And I'm going to show you a mountain where you will sacrifice her. What's going to be your first response, honestly? You will say no. Perfect, man. I know some of you that lie will say, I will just say God anything you want. Like God, no way. <laughs> Do you understand that? And you know where I'm going to? Let me summarize the message because my time is short. Worshippers will do what God tells them to do 
whether they like it or not. If you become a true worshiper, you no longer have a preference. His preference becomes your preference. His desire becomes what? Your desire. What he wants becomes what? What you want, even though you do not originally want that. That's when you know you're a worshiper. Are you hearing? You know, Jessica sang a very beautiful song now. I'll make room for two, you and I, Jesus. You know, you're what? What's it now? You're all that matters. Do you know that that song is so deep that the truth of the matter is that many of us don't know what that song means? If I, if I, if outside of this whole concept of worship, if I take you outside and I ask you, is it Jesus that really matters? Is that, is, is it the one that really matters in your life? And you know when the guy was singing that song, you know, say, you know, uh, what's the place about cars and houses? Come on now, what did he say there? Huh? I'll give the cars, I'll give the houses, it's you I want. <laughs> Are you sure? Like, nah, I, I was just singing it, but leave the car, leave the, ah, uh, uh, can they not play with you again? I want you and the car. But that's a very strong song because the concept of worship cannot be removed from the concept of sacrifice. In fact, whatever you love more than God contains for the place of God in your life. And so the first thing that God will do in molding you to become a worshiper is to ask you to sacrifice the very things you love so you can obey Him. That's a concept. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come and talk to me here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is, there is something contending in your heart and we cannot talk about worship without love. And so the, the, the key here is God emphasizes you know abraham had two sons right abraham didn't have only one son he had two he had ishmael he had isaac but then god specifically speaks about isaac because that's where his heart is that's where his love is how many of us know that we can offer god what doesn't really cost us anything but that's not what god wants god wants that thing that is contending for his place in our heart are you here a man can offer God his talent, but not offer his life. He doesn't mind the talent, but his life, he wants it, he wants to govern his life the way he wants to govern his life. And that's not true worship. Okay, let's go. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I'll tell you. So Abraham rose up. When did he rise up? Come on now, talk to me. When did he rise up? Early where? If you have this kind of instruction and you even wanted to do it, would you go up very early? Come on. We are looking at the characteristics of a true worshiper. Would you go up very early? No, you will get up from the bed sluggishly. Saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split wood for the bond offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now Isaac was not a child from Bible history. Isaac was not just a baby. Look at this. On the third day, Abraham raised his eye and saw the place from a distance. On the third day, the day of resurrection. Glory to God. But you see, he had to raise his eyes. He has to raise his vision. Because you cannot keep your eyes down and worship. You have to have elevated sight. You have to see. And Abraham said to the young man, Stay here with the donkey. I and the Lord will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Can you see this? Abraham calls 
He's going to sacrifice his son. He calls it worship. If they were not going there to sing songs. They were not going there to... Are you, are you following this? You're not like, okay, Isaac, raise the song and I'll back you up. No. He was literally going to offer Isaac on the platform of sacrifice. But he says, we're going to worship. So we cannot talk about worship without sacrifice. You're not a worshiper if you don't know how to sacrifice. Come on, how many of us can hardly get up out of our bed in the morning just to do our devotions? We cannot sacrifice our sleep to spend time with God and yet we call ourselves true worshippers. God is not even asking you for anything. What God is just asking you for is obey my words and that's a struggle. Look at it here. Isaac spoke to the Abraham, his father, and said, My father, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the womb and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering Abraham said God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering my son so two of them walked on together so Isaac was not a young child and that's why I like the concept he said we will go there and worship both of us will go and worship because I believe that the, the whole concept again is that Isaac walked up to that mountain and imagine if your father you go to the mountain and your father said the Lord will provide himself a lamb and then your father now said listen you are that lamb and starts tying you. <laughs> Will you stay? Will you stay? That means Isaac also understood what was going on here. Somehow in his spirit. Because I'm thinking, I mean, how will he allow that old man over a hundred years old to tie you down that you are doing worship to God? I mean, there's no way. Are you, are you still here? Then he came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So the concept of worship is not the concept of withholding, is the concept of releasing. We cannot call ourselves true worshippers if we withhold certain areas of our lives from God. Are you here? We can't call ourselves true worshippers if there are areas in your life you're withholding from God. God, you can touch this area. But no, 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 not this one. You can touch this guy, but not this my girlfriend. You can, you can, I can do this for you, but not this my sexual life. You can do this, but not this my lying. That's exactly what God wants you to offer. So when we talk about the concept of worship, it's, it's beyond, and that's why our worship in church is almost becoming an entertainment right now. Because it's, it's sometimes, it's not even getting to the depth of our lifestyle. It's about how, it, it's more again about us, not about Him. Let me say this quickly. Let me say this quickly. The word worship in the Hebrew is the word shakar. C-H-A-C-H-A-H. It means to prostrate, especially in homage, to bow down, to fall down, to, to humble yourself, to pay obeisance, to do reverence, to stoop down. So the concept of worship is I, I, I only can worship when I bow down. And what does that mean? What does that concept mean? The concept means that I cannot talk about worship when I'm still standing erect. Let me repeat that. 
I cannot talk about worship when I'm still standing erect. Now, I'm not saying you cannot lift your hands and worship God. What I'm saying is that the concept of worship is that if I want to worship this man, I have to go down to worship him. What does that mean? I dethrone myself so that by the time I'm worshiping him, he's the one that is exalted. Are you following what I'm saying? Even our, even our natural kings, when we want to greet them, we don't greet them standing. We, we, we bow a bit. Why? It's a concept of worship. That means I cannot talk about worship if I'm still exalted. I cannot call myself a true worshiper if I still have my ambitions governing me. If I'm a true worshiper, then Christ must be exalted. And if we understand that, when we come here to sing, it will not be about us. Can you understand that now? Our singing will be an offering to the Father. Are you understanding that? Now, the word worship is from the English word worship. Worship. To consider something worthy of attention. Worship. To consider something worthy of attention. So God becomes the object of our worship, not us. Alright? Now, the Greek word, the Hebrew word was the first one I told you. The Greek word, uh, when the Greek concept of worship is to kiss towards, signifying a sense of love and devotion directed to an object. So when, when you have a Greek concept of, it's almost like uh, a kiss towards someone. It's almost like going in the direction of someone because of love. Now, I, I want to say this. There's some things that God dropped in my spirit that I want to say. And then I'll, I'll wrap up. Number one. A true worshiper must always have the posture of humility. A true worshiper must always have the posture of humility. Pride and worship does not coexist. Pride and worship does not do what? Coexist. A true worshiper must have what? The concept of humility humility we cannot talk about true worship without humility i'm just going to go um, a bit fast because of time but if you can't write everything we can make the notes available to you when you get the message or you can ask for it from the office number two these are just thoughts god dropped in my heart i don't want to go through too many scriptures tonight if you are self-conscious self-centered and self-focused you will not be able to worship in truth and in spirit so worship is not about being self-centered, being self-focused. Are you following this? Because if I want to worship someone and I bow down to worship the person, how many of you know I'm not focusing on myself anymore? My focus, why I'm bowing down is because of that person. If I can look at myself like, why am I bowing down? A big man like me, a tall man like me. No, if I start considering myself, I will not do that. So we cannot talk about the concept of worship when you're everything in your Christian race is about you. How God will bless you. How God will answer your prayers. And you're not even thinking about God. You're not even directing your attention about God. Praise God. You know, yesterday I was about 12 midnight. I wanted to just pray. Get into my birthday. And I I was praying and and, and you know, the prayer was very short. So, I told my wife I wanted to pray. So, in like how many minutes I was back? He said, ah, you've seen me praying. I said, yes, because I'm not asking God for many things. I mean, I prayed like four minutes. And the prayer was very simple. Number one, I thanked God for the gift of life. 
obviously this year has been a lot of deaths around just i mean you go on online and this one is dying i mean i was for the first time is very conscious of the gift of life number two i ask god for the grace to be able to teach his word word more i i don't consider myself a very good teacher yet i'm still trying to learn to teach well number three the wisdom to just lead god's people and that's just it that's just it because you see sometimes our lives can so be centered around us that we're not concerned about the purposes of god do you realize what solomon asked the lord he asked the lord for wisdom and the lord said because you asked for this and did not ask for this and this i'll give you this and this but if you look at 90 percent of our prayer requests in church it is asking for the things that solomon did not ask for that god gave him when last did you pray that god help me to serve you the way you want to be served when last did you pray do you know there's a way god wants us to serve him right right do you know let let me ask you something do you know that god created you for his pleasure god did not create you just so he will give you pleasure and we need to we need to we need to renew certain things because the way we're almost going with the service of god is almost becoming like is god serving us it's not we serving him are you following that it's like god what will you do for me god you haven't done this if you don't do this in two days i will leave the church if you don't do this i will you know it's almost like we're threatening him because our concept of worship is listen now our concept of worship is almost like we're taught that we use worship songs to bribe god so he will answer us so it's not like we're interested in actually serving him so we start calling him names you know firewood lighter the carrier of the universe the one whose whose uh, head touches the heaven and the earth you stretch your leg and you fly like thunder and all of those things god is like go straight to the point what do you want then after you're like lord my rent has expired do something say i knew from the beginning all of those praise wasn't because you really think that i deserve worship it is because you think it's a way to turn my hand so that by the time you ask, I'll give to you. That itself is what the scripture describes in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 to 7. It says, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far away. These people don't care about me, but they know the right songs. I was talking about this today in, in, the, in, in our house. Like when we sing songs that exalt God, let's say, oh, should I, should I, you know, something that exalts God, that talks about redemption, that talks about the greatness of God. You see the, the response of people. It's not that strong. But just sing a song like, the one who meets my need. Oh, oh, that's him. Oh, that was what. You know, immediately the song is about God doing something for us. The one that turns my life around. Hey, the toner. You know, it's 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 almost like yeah, just do something, do something. And how many of you know that a relationship that is only that's only one-sided always is not a good relationship? And somebody say, yeah, but we can do nothing for God. If we can do nothing for Him, why is He seeking for true worshippers? Why is God looking for something that He doesn't need? I, do you understand what I'm saying to you tonight? This whole concept of worship. It's just bigger than our music programs. It's your lifestyle becoming sacrificial. 
You know we make sacrifice for a lot of things, and but we hardly make sacrifice for the kingdom. Look at the sacrifice you make for funerals, for weddings, for birthday parties, for... No, today is my birthday. Please make all the sacrifice you need to make. <laughs> my wife and my secretary has been doing a whole lot. But do, do it. Today is the day. Yeah, it's my day. Yeah, go for it. It's my day. But, yeah. But how many of us make that sacrifice when God begins to place a demand on our life to fine-tune our life for His purpose? How many of you can sacrifice two hours every day to pray for the next six months if that's what God requires as your worship for Him to be able to birth something on the earth or on the island? Come on, are you here? Number three, worship is something worthy of attention. What you truly focus on is the object of your worship. You cannot serve God and mammon, Jesus said. Matthew 6, 24. Number four. Worship connotes fellowship. You cannot worship what or who you do not know. As you spend time with God, you know God more. Abraham was a friend of God. There are life-changing instructions for worshipers that are personally spoken to them by God. When he said, take your son, thy only son, it was not a corporate decision. If you don't have fellowship with God constantly, there are things that God will not be able to speak to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are words God wants to speak to you to carry your life to the next level. Comes from the place of worship. I was reading a book by Don Norris, the founder of Destiny Image, and it was saying that the Lord told him, go start a publishing company and I will be your marketing manager. Those words, you cannot find them in the Bible. They are words specifically spoken to men for a purpose. And that comes from the place of fellowship. That comes from the place of intimacy. Glory to God. Come on, I say glory to God. Worship will entail separation. The more you are a worshiper of God, the more narrow the road becomes. Corporate worship will give way to personal intimate worship. You know, when they are about to go to the mountain, they left two young men at the foot of the mountain. Not everybody ascends to that place of worship. There is a place where it's a personal, Chris Delvanguana will call it a personal operating system. It's you and you and God alone that knows that code. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That point is not the point of my papa said or the point of this commission. It's a point of you and God. What's God speaking to you? What's God directing you about? What are the instructions that God is giving to you? What are the constraints that God is putting in your life? Your friends might be allowed to do all other things, but because God has a specific purpose for your life, He gives you certain instructions. You can't share this with a friend. Abraham can't say, you know what? You know a lot. Bring your first son. The Lord said we should go and sacrifice our first son. No, this is not what God is demanding from everybody. This is what God is demanding from you. If you are a worshiper, there will be specific things that God is demanding from you. There are things other pastors can do that I cannot do. can never put money first before the gospel. Never. And I'm so grateful to God for my wife. Because you know sometimes... You know, I say it all the time that my wife is the best birthday gift God gave to me. You know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, we need to get money, we need to do stuff, and I'm thinking of selling something or doing something, you know, maybe one of our products and the rest or doing something, and then she tells me, what's your motive? What's the aim? And immediately we get about this thing, it's about if we do it this way, we're going to get more money, it's not passing the house test. You know the house test? The house test is the test of both of us. I mean, constantly, constantly. I developed a course I wanted to put online. Talk, spoke to my secretary about it and was talking to my wife about it. And the one question came coming. So why do you want to put money? Why do you want it? And immediately that motive is not purified. Get it out there free. You know why? 
That's between me and God. For some people, it's fine. But for me, it's a no. Do you, especially for me, there are certain prices I cannot put in my books. Are, are you following that? I can't write a book now and say the book is 6,000. Yeah, I don't, I mean, is it worth it? It can be worth it. But one of my goals is that whatever I have, I'm doing in ministry, people should be able to afford it. Uh, do you understand that? And like I said, these are just personal things between me and God. So you have to have those personal consecration. Your friends might be allowed to do everything, but if you're a true worshiper, you cannot be allowed to do anything and everything. Because the Lord will do that. Put up this scripture for me quickly. Jeremiah 42.6. Put it up for me. Just We're going to read it, but follow me. They'll put it up. Worship will entail sacrifice. There's no true worship without sacrifice of money, time, ambitions, desire, lifestyle to please the worship of the, the object of your worship. Look at this. Come on, look at this. If we are going to be true worshippers, sacrifice will come. Sometimes it's the sacrifice of money. Sometimes it's the sacrifice of time. Sometimes it's the sacrifice of your ambition. That thing you really desire and God begins to fine tune it and change it and say, no, this is what I want for you. You know, some of you are wrestling with God like Jacob, fighting God, fighting God, fighting God. I want this. I want this. You know, one thing I tell, I tell myself always, God cannot mismanage my life. If there's something God wants for me, I trust Him. He'll get me there safely. It'll free you from this pursuit and anxiety of life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You rest in the everlasting arms of God. Some of you are fighting God seriously. You know this is what God wants you to do. You know God wants deeper consecration from your life. But you have looked at life. Ha, what do people think? What do people think? You're worshipping people's opinion, not God. Worship will entail absolute and total obedience in every area of your life. This is, look at this scripture. Come on, everybody read this scripture. Everybody loud and clear. One, two, three, go. Whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we would listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it might go well with, with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. Come on, did you see that scripture? It says, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we would listen to the voice of our God. This is the test of true worship. When God gives you those instructions that are unpleasant, do you still obey? You know, God told Abraham, sacrifice your son. Come on. How many of you know that's not a pleasant instruction? But what did Abraham do? He obeyed. That's the lifestyle of a true worshiper. What instru- Are you a selective... How do we put it now? Do you do selective obedience? God, I obey this, I obey this, I obey this. But this one? No. It's okay. I'll handle this myself. Praise God. Worship will include worshiping God on his terms and not ours. Worshipping God on his terms are not ours. I want to challenge you today. Praise God. I want to challenge you today. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all the kind words. I'm grateful for all the messages people are sending of how I've impacted their lives and how the Lord has used me. And I'm grateful. I'm absolutely, absolutely grateful to God. And I give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praises. There's nothing I could have done in my life if not that the Lord has been on my side. But you know, my greatest heart desire is to be 110% obedient to God in every area. You know the greatest thing you can do for me today? It's consecrate your life to become a worshiper. I'm where I am today 
because I can remember the point. I mean, I was when I was praying in my office, I actually knelt down. I hardly kneel when I pray. Most times I kneel, I, I walk around. But I knelt down in my chair and I was praying to God. And the picture of the day I rededicated my life came back. Because the same way, I knelt down in my dad's church and I asked the Lord to take control of my life. And that was the day God spoke to me about my purpose of being a preacher and a minister of the gospel. And I haven't looked back since that day. It's been a life of consecration to the purposes of God. I need you to do one thing. I need to find out why God brought you here on earth. And when you find out why God brought you here on earth, do not confer with flesh and blood. You go after that with the rest of your life. And you stay consistent. You stay on fire. You don't compromise. Praise God. Our lives will only make a meaning as we allow God to define us. Glory to God. So next time when we're singing songs, know that worship is not just about the songs. Glory to God. Let's, let's, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.